Well, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of GUcast. This is Declan Murphy, urologist here at Peter Mac, early in the morning, joined as ever by my co-host, Dr. Renu Epen, urologist here at Peter Mac. Good morning, Renu. Good morning, Declan. Another early morning, but we love our UK guests, right? Well, they're worth getting up early in the morning <laughs> yes. for. It's 6am, it's the 1st of July, we're well into winter, um, yep. and there you go. But we are welcoming back. It's a welcome back uh, a superstar guest of ours today, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We're very excited uh, for Tim O'Brien. Yes, so Tim O'Brien is rejoining us. Tim O'Brien, um, a consultant urologist at Guy's and St. Thomas's NHS Foundation Trust in London and uh, president of BAUS, the British Association of Urological Surgeons, who joined us for a fabulous episode almost a year ago in August last year That's right. when he had just taken up the reins as BAUS president, um, just overseen his first BAUS annual meeting, which of course was a turned into a virtual meeting um, and he's joining us again today. Tim, good evening to you in London. Hello, Tim. Hi, good evening. Great to see you both. Looking good. Bit wintry, but uh, looking good. <laughs> well, will you paint us the picture there? Come on, it's August, it's July. Well, in London, it's late in the evening. What's it like there? It's Wimbledon, it's strawberries, oh. it's Pims, it's the Euros. <laughs> It's, oh. it's English summer, it's green grass, it's blackbirds, it's nice. Oh, well, the English definitely summer. painted June a picture. Hey, come on. <laughs> what pandemic? You know, yeah, that's right. yeah. green, and, green and pleasant land. <laughs> Well, let's not that let's not mess nice. with that lovely vista too much yes. because um, that's what we love about the Great British Summer. And thank you so much for joining us. As I said, it's um, almost a year actually to the day since you joined GUcast to have a chat about your um, presidency, which had just started. And I listened back to the podcast last night. It was so nice to listen back to, um, I suppose it was a snapshot to what life was like back then. We were in a real big lockdown last yeah. winter. Um, and still, of course, disappointingly, I, um, and we actually talked about this during the podcast, podca um, COVID has not gone away and we didn't really think it was going to be gone away. But one of the things we really wanted to talk to you about today, Tim, was about virtual congresses because we mm. did speak about that last year. And of course, you've just overseen um, a virtual congress in the UK. I want to play you back, first of all, something we chatted about last year during last year's GU cast. I wonder whether the meetings will will change. I think we'll still want to congregate. Maybe we won't congregate in rooms of a thousand. Maybe we'll congregate uh, in smaller groups. A meeting will be um, 10 smaller meetings, not, uh, not the mass gathering that um, has so characterized Congresses today. And of course, uh, there were still no gatherings of any shape or size, let alone small gatherings. But I listened to those comments and I think the anticipation that, uh, this is the first theme I wanted to explore with you, Tim, the anticipation that we will not be returning pretty much at any time in the future to those traditional large uh, scientific meeting formats with huge conference centres and huge um, exhibition areas and so on and so forth. Uh, that's that's clearly still not going to happen, I think. But let's have reflections on BAUS 21 first, because it was very a very successful meeting, Renew, from what we could see from here, wasn't it? Absolutely, very successful. And um, I mean, it was the second BAUS virtual conference, but this one really stood out, didn't it, for the for the quality of presentations, the, the technological aspects of it and Declan and I, we were both uh, part of it in, in a way because yeah. we, we were in the Bows USAN session um, and we've got a lot of very positive feedback on social media. So congratulations, Tim, firstly, on a, on a very successful virtual Bows 2021. Um, but we're keen to hear your thoughts. Yeah, thank you. I mean, obviously the credit should go to Asif Manir, who is the secretary and the secretary of Bows actually curates the meeting. But 
the president does get some reflected glory from that. I think it was really successful. I, do you know, I'm really glad that we've had to do two in a row. I think if we'd only done one, we could have easily slipped back into the old ways very easily. But the one in November was a virtual face-to-face meeting. It was a face-to-face program delivered virtually, whereas this was a designed virtual meeting. Yeah. And I think it was, I think there were several things about that. The designed virtual meeting is a lot better because, you know, you, you ran your wonderful USAN session, but we had nine different, the theme was global urology. We had nine different meetings with overseas associations. That's unthinkable face to face. And we were able to introduce many more speakers. We didn't just go back to the old faces, the old tried and tested. You're able to bring many more people into the mix. Um, the tech, I mean, Declan, you're a tech lover. The tech just moves forward so fast. I mean, the tech in November was okay. The tech this June was sensational. The tech in a year will probably be twice as good. It just moves so fast. So I think, I think, I think maybe I was having this conversation this morning, actually with somebody at work. And I think, you know, maybe six or seven months ago, people were going, um, well, um, you know, maybe, maybe the virtual, you know, maybe, maybe, whereas the conversations I've been hearing in the last 10 days are why, why would you go back to what we used to do? <laughs> you know, this was better, you know, this was better educationally, not it was almost as good or it was quite as good. It was actually better educationally than meeting up face to face. It started to expose some of the limitations of how we used to do things. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's been a different conversation uh, after, I think, a really successful virtual meeting. I'll tell you what Asif thinks. He wondered whether the, you know, the main event should be a virtual event, which, which he, we offer free to uh, our members as a member benefit. And then perhaps the coming together events, the in-person events, are the smaller things that we do which we could do away from these huge barn-like conference centers and doing more, uh, you know, more appealing, more, uh, more intimate venues, Cambridge colleges, you know, nice hotels, you know, rather than having to go to big concrete barns in three or four cities. So I think it's really challenged. Uh, people are really, really challenged about uh, how we should do it. The learning, I think, was sensational. Mm. 90 hours of content, mm. watch it when you like, on the Bouse website for a year, 35 pounds. Yeah. I mean, come on, what's the not to like? And, you know, Australia, New Zealand, America, Europe, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, India, Indonesia. I mean, our Euralink session, you know, we have this organization, Euralink. No, Euralink was wonderful. We had a we had uh, partners in Ethiopia in the session. We had our partners in Malawi in the session. We had our partners in Zambia in the session. I mean, what's the not to like about that? It, it brought the reality of Euralink home rather than just someone's sort of received perception of it. So I think it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think what we haven't changed, what we haven't changed is people's lack of willingness to take time off for a virtual meeting. Mm. Um, you could argue, well, with all that content, why do you have to take time off? Why, 
why don't you just enjoy the content over a number of weeks? And you can, of course, but I don't think many, I took three days off, obviously, you know, that was sensible for me to do, but I don't think we get, see people booking a day off to go to the virtual meeting, which I think is a shame uh, because I think it would allow one to concentrate on the content and contribute to all the discussions that uh, took place. So I think, uh, you know, I, we, I miss the meeting up. I, I love socialising. I like socialising. I like seeing people. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to lock everyone in front of a computer screen. I want to, next year we'll be face-to-face, definitely. But um, I think two in a row definitely forces the change. It's interesting, Tim, isn't it? Because, um, and we've touched on this in the past, conferences are about two things. There's the educational aspect of it and then there's the socialising aspect of it. And I think even you've said the socialising aspect is is something that people enjoy about a conference. It's what makes taking that week off, going away worthwhile. Um, And perhaps you're right, you know, why not split them? Make the educational aspect online where, like you said, it's truly international. The content is available when you want it. It's there for a year. People, that's, that's great material. And then conferences become about the social networking. Networking, socialising, meeting new people. Yeah. And being unashamed about that. It's an important part of being, you know, a urologist is building those networks and spend more time doing that. And Ian Pierce has a lovely term. I may have used it last year and I apologize if I did, but he's uh, the next secretary of Bows. He has a nice term in that the networking needs to be both orchestrated and impromptu. So let's put networks of researchers together. Let's put networks of fellows together. Let's put networks of women in urology together. And also let's have just, the natural interactions that allow you to meet someone new by chance. So orchestrated and impromptu networking. So I think those are the things that we're looking to do. Um, and I think maybe maybe the Congress becomes the umbrella under which a lot of urological-related organizations choose to meet at that time because urologists are around, you know, um, not necessarily bouse related but they happen to be urology related urological disease related and a sensible time to meet is during the bouse congress and you meet under that umbrella um yeah so i think i think the networking uh, is going to be critical and i think we you know and, and the socializing is important uh, it that's what that's that's what i've missed in the last year i think the the chance to recharge the batteries i think surge is a very intense job i think it's tiring can be very stressful and I think sometimes the pace at which we work in surgery is only sustainable if there are periods of rest and recuperation. I think that's certainly what I've missed is the, uh, the periods when I can just take a breath. That's why taking the, the time off is still important, as you just said. And I did see a couple of people on Twitter for Bows 21 making comments like, oh, it looks great. Looking forward to getting home this evening and having a look at that. And I looked at that and went, gosh, you know, that is important to have that break from the normal routine instead of being at work all day, getting through a stressful list and then, be, you know, trying to get home and catch up on the content. So I think culturally we must encourage people. We've done it in here, actually, mm. very much trying to say to people, this meeting is coming up. It's going to be yeah. virtual, even though it's going to be mostly live in the middle of the night like asco uh, take the time off get up and watch it or take the time off during the day you have study leave please please take it but the other reason to do it is not just i think it's important to do it just to have a break from stuff we're entitled to do it but 
you showed during BOUS21 that you can do a lot of engagement during the virtual sessions, during the live sessions. Um, And I wanted to ask you a bit about that, Tim, because it does replicate a little bit, at least. In fact, it could actually exceed some of the engagement that you get, because you you said last year, you know, plenary sessions, you never get to talk to the speaker. But I want to ask you about how you successfully during BOUS21 did generate a lot of engagement with people um, through the platform and even on associated social media well, there was there was there was live chat alongside the session as it developed and in fact it's interesting you talk about that um i think it's quite an intimidating thing sometimes to get out of a chair and walk i mean it's never intimidated declan murphy guys hospital london <laughs> we remember those great days in stockholm but um i think there are a number of people who don't want to get up go to a microphone and ask a question whereas actually they feel much more inclined to tap out a question on a web chat alongside a session. So I think some of the less confident uh, people felt more confident about posing a question and joining in um, a chat. So uh, I think the web chat does, uh, you know, can work quite nicely. And when you said a moment ago that this year, as opposed to last year, you set out to design a virtual meeting as yeah. opposed to design a physical meeting, oh, and let's make it hybrid and go online. I'm, how, how do you do that? How do you change your mindset to say, okay, our audience is not in a building and we have to work around coffee breaks and, you know, blah, 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 moving from one room to another. How do you sit down with the ASIF and the, your, your scientific committee and say, right, we're designing a virtual meeting. What, what, how do we change our mindset to say, this is going to be the needs of our audience and in fact, these are the opportunities that it'll bring. I'm really interested to hear how you set about doing that because yeah, it well, clearly think, works, um, didn't it? I think you, I don't know what you find, but I find in the virtual formats, you need a real mix of styles coming. I think just lecture after lecture after lecture can get a little monotonous. You know, you we've talked before, haven't we, Declan, about the tyranny of PowerPoint and, you know, listening to another PowerPoint talk can end up being a bit monotonous. So I think you do have to mix up the styles, you know, have an interview, have a, a, a you know, a, a PowerPoint presentation, have, have different things, um, have different styles of thing being presented. And I think what, what was done nicely at Bows was, you know, there was some nice medical legal stuff, there was some nice stuff about the Kennedy report. You know, there was a nice mixture of politics, medical legal, research, urology. We did the Dragon's Den for the research program, um, which I must say I thought looked really good. And then the thing I was most pleased with, we also posted the discussion that the Dragons had about the various projects. So that was a nicely stitched together session. I think it had, you know, visual and oral interest. Um, It wasn't monotonous. And I think it was really good to post the discussions that we had about why we made the decisions we did. So that 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 was, was I think that was quite, I think it was quite an interesting, a lot of people have said they really enjoyed that. In fact, a lot of people, you know, I'm not involved in these research committees, you know, but a lot of people said they really enjoyed listening to that discussion to see how a research project would be viewed by people who do make decisions about research projects. It was quite interesting. I think if there are any listeners on this who, you know, wondering about putting a research idea together, you might you might want to have a look at that. I, I learned a lot. <laughs> you know, I'm 50, 58. I learned quite a lot from listening to some of those people and how they uh, how they come to the decisions they do. 
I mean, I think one of the things that underpinned the success of BAS 21 was the fact that it was designed to be a virtual conference. You know, I find the problem with a lot of hybrid conferences is that um, it's such an organisational feat trying to cater to an in-person audience as well as the virtual audience. But when you put all your effort towards making sure the virtual platform is flawless, this is the sort of result you get. And even when... Sorry, I think sorry. that's right, Renu, but I think the other thing that was different from November, I think we had relatively little live stuff. It was pre-recorded yeah. and it meant that, you know, we're not the BBC, we're not NBC, ABC, we're a surgical association and I'm not sure that we're ideally set up for live broadcasts and I think the people who organised it got a lot more pre-recorded so that... Uh, the live element came from the chat at the side. I mean, we did do, you know, I did my presidential Q&A, which I enjoyed. Uh, and, you know, it's that's a good way of engaging with the members. But I, the majority of the content was pre-recorded, uh, which makes it easier to curate. But I don't, I don't think it made it duller. I mean, I think something I think is a great challenge is that we're no longer presenters. We're broadcasters. And I think it's a very different skill that people have to learn. I mean, Declan, we ran those courses, didn't we, at Bows 11 years ago when you were a consultant in London, and we loved doing it, and we thought so hard about trying to be better presenters. And I think some of those skills are almost redundant. We need, we need people who are going to be better broadcasters because it's very different talking to camera and talking in a virtual format. And you realize that, I was a bit surprised that some people still a year on haven't you know, got a bit better at lighting their room, setting their background, um, et cetera. So next, next year, I'll come and speak on the BAUS broadcasting skills course, which replaced the previous presentation skills course well, that we used to run in the old days because <laughs> we need to have a broadcasting yeah. skills course. Well, you know. well <laughs> people, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm talking to, you know, the best in the urological world. I think, you know, I, the, was it GU Askew where you went to town on that? But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it is a slightly odd one, isn't it, that we all give these talks sitting down and yet none of us for the last 50 years have ever given a talk sitting down whereas we've always given talks standing up and it's a totally different body language when you're sitting down from standing up. Uh, none of us have got a lectern in our house, have we, to put, put the camera on. But I do think, I think that's something, uh, I think that's something we will be doing. I will be doing with friends is going, you know, uh, how could I improve my broadcasting yeah, it's a different skill set, isn't I it? Love just, it. just I love, like the, I do love all that stuff. You but do, <laughs> you've, you've actually, you've kind of changed the way in which we do presentations. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, I haven't used PowerPoint in twenty twenty one. It's all video editing. Yeah, I have, literally haven't used it. It's all motion graphics and video editing. But um, that's because yeah. I quite yeah. enjoy that. So you don't expect everyone enjoys that. But Tim, it's interesting here. You know, you, you and I are in our fifties. Renew's about twenty five. I think. Or something <laughs> yeah, like right. Uh, but my fourteen year old, you know, if I see his generation you know, do you think they're going to be learning? They're not. They've already been PowerPoint mostly because they engage on social media platforms. They effectively are all mini broadcasters. It's all TikTok and content creation. Content creation, that's what this is. But the traditional paradigm of PowerPoint is that's not what the next generation are looking at. That's not the way they communicate. They they are in the multimedia uh, streaming, sharing platforms. So we need to get those youngsters very, very engaged in helping us understand how we are going to broadcast actually. 
um, and it won't be alien to them like it might be to us but um, broadcasting skills course I love it that's going to be the title of the broadcast we're no longer presenters we're broadcasters and whether it's just your zoom meeting from home a professional meeting perhaps when yeah. you're you're on a board and and but having a correct setup an appropriate setup that looks professional that's that's you know you, you know there are lessons to be learned there right up to you know large international academic conference you know how can I just not record another zoom video that we you know that 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 is a fundamental step that we have to help educate ourselves how to do and we, we should do that Absolutely. I mean, just like we've had to change our consultation styles for telehealth, we, yes, we have to change our presentation thing. styles yeah, for, exactly. for virtual meetings. Yeah. yeah. Goodbye, PowerPoint. That was my, my 2021 thing. I haven't used PowerPoint at all this year. <laughs> I've done dozens of presentations. No, that's interesting. And how to have a discussion in one of these, yeah. you know, so you don't step on each other's toes and yeah. the, uh, how to chair it. Yeah, you know, there's all the skills, isn't it? I mean, I've had to learn how to chair a meeting virtually and all the skills that one had practiced over the last 20 years have had to be refined and changed for um, a different world. Tim, for the latter bit of our podcast, we want to speak to you more broadly about uh, your BAUS presidency. Um, it's a two-year term, isn't it? Is it two? Or th- yeah, I finish uh, next June. Next year. Yeah. So we're halfway through. Uh, but before we move on to that, just one final comment on the conference things. Um, we saw that tweet you put out um, a couple of days ago where somebody was uh, promoting um, a one-day virtual meeting in the UK. And, and uh, the, the cost, the subscription to this one-day virtual meeting was £354 <laughs> sterling. Wow. And, you know, <laughs> you couldn't resist. You just waited in and said, we've just had three days of bowsterology for £35, you know. So a- any, any closing comments? on that because I think the move to virtual you don't have to rent an entire wing of Chicago to run your conference and all that goes with it surely there's some economies of scale is that what you're pointing out here because Bouse was unbelievable value but ASCO yeah. ASCO meeting I don't know where you were ASCO was like the same freaking price as usual it cost a fortune yeah. just to dial into the meeting you know but we've got to challenge I, that I, there has to be some disruption yeah, and I think there has to be a challenge. Is, this, yeah. There's a lot of chicanery going on here. I mean, I think these meetings where the drug companies are paying for all the delegates are still charging a huge amount. So all the delegates at ASCO are all paid for by drug companies. So the ASCO still charges a huge amount. I mean, someone's paying, though. The people who are buying the drugs are paying. Um, That's an outrage. It's it's an outrage. And um, I think the model, you know, all these surgical associations all over the world, have used their annual congress as a cash cow to fund the activities of the organization. And you could question why? <laughs> why yeah. should the annual meeting be the cash cow? Because um, it, it overinflates the cost of the annual meeting, doesn't it? I and mean, the reason they do it is because most of the people attending the meeting have their charges reimbursed by their, but it's still a cost. Um, but I, I mean, we chose 35 pounds because it was a small amount and it covered the VAT issues. But I think, uh, and we wanted this, but we had 1,700 delegates and that was wonderful and great. But I think, I think we probably, by running a good meeting, uh, have pro- we probably could start raising the price. I think, uh, I, don't know what the push, I don't know what the transition point is where your delegate numbers would start to drop off. But if you're giving people 90 hours of content that they can access for a year, then the value is definitely more than 35 pounds. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll, I don't know whether, it, is it a hundred? Is it, um, I don't know. Uh, I think the AUA have done a, I think, I'll say, I think they've done quite an imaginative thing with their pricing where they've got, you know, the, the full attend in person, the 
attend in person, the attend in person and virtual, the virtual. You know, they've got different platinum, gold, silver type uh, attendance rates. I, mean, I think they've done something interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, this coming together of money, you know, the idea that one cost is going to be 500 pounds for a couple of days, three days, and another is going to be 35 pounds. There's going to have to be some realignment there, isn't there? Uh, we recently had a, the, the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons annual meeting and the USANS meeting got rolled into it. And so it was a limited physical meeting and also a mostly hybrid meeting. And so I was invited to do a, um, a keynote broadcast, uh, not presentation. Um, uh, and so I was invited to attend the meeting physically and the fee for that was going to be like $700 or something. Or I could do it virtually for $350 or something. So I already had to load my video. So I was going to like spend $700 just to go and watch myself in the freaking auditorium. <laughs> or I could, you know, go down to the pub and where the rest of the gang were, the trainees, and, and pay the $350. So th that's the wrong way around. They, you know, they, you yeah, can't punish exactly. people for yeah. it. So I, didn't buy, so I just There's, dialed in virtually. I'm not going to turn up and pay in $700 just to watch myself on TV and be there for two no questions. With no one else, no trainees there. Yeah, no trainees there yeah. because they, it was a limited uh, meeting. Yeah, there's going to have to be a realignment on this, isn't there? And uh, I mean, the you know the elephant in the room is the two hundred and fifty thousand that you pay to hire one of these barns. Yeah, um, you know that's where the costs come. And uh, uh, you'll, you'll <laughs> it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to start with a quarter of a million in your you know as a cost just to hire the venue, isn't it? Uh, I'm looking forward to future years visiting London and going to the Excel Centre, pointing it out to my kids, and they're saying, oh, there's the Excel Vaccination Centre. I'll say, that was a conference centre, you know, back in the old days. They said, what's a conference centre, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> but why do you need such a big, large barn for the production yeah. studio? Yeah. Isn't that what we do yeah, from home? Uh, it's, uh, People used to go I, to I meetings, you... and how would you get, fly on an airplane? <laughs> Where would you stay? Well, I mean, yeah, the environmental stuff is... Uh, uh, is is massive, isn't it? We so, had a very interesting. There was very. I don't know if you listened to the um, a professor of uh, sustainability from the University of Oxford gave oh, yeah. a very interesting talk on sustainability in surgery um, at the Bowes Congress. Well worth listening to, actually. Uh, very challenging. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. It was it was the BJUI guest sure. lecture. Yeah. Really, yeah. really good. I saw the Twitter reaction. Must look yeah. it up. Fantastic. I mean, one one of the things that 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 would underpin the success of a virtual meeting team must be the social media uh, aspect of it. You know, kind of advertising these talks and making sure that people know when these talks are on and they're out there, um, and kind of get, get getting interest in that way. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I think I think pushing the content to people and making people aware of the content and is crucial, isn't it? I, I mean, a year ago, we had no digital content at all in our organization, zero. So, you know, what would you be pushing towards people? You didn't have anything to push, um, pushing empty space. But, you know, the question now is with all this content, are we, is it just gathering dust on a digital shelf somewhere? Or are we, can we actually just ease this towards people, nudge it towards people so that they can, Oh, okay. I might have a look at that. It's one of the reasons we've got a digital project in the organization. I personally think a Bows app would be really good where we could post some of the content and just gently ease it towards people. Have you seen this wonderful talk on lymph nodes in prostate cancer by Alberto Briganti? Have you seen this talk on sustainability? You're traveling to work on the train today. Why don't you watch the debate on the Kennedy report? You know, 
are you interested in? You know, just I think we need a tool that allows us to ease um, the content towards our members and just gently get it into their heads. Uh, because I think it would be a real shame to have all this content and it just sits somewhere sits there, yeah. and people never really look at it. A bit like a bookshelf that no one ever really sort of, you know, looks at the books. Uh, I think that's a risk. And obviously the social media is a very nice way of just gently easing things together. I mean, we'd, I often talked about the internet and things like that being great things for putting buyers and sellers together. That's what we're trying to do, isn't it? Put put readers and content, listeners and watchers and content together. And how can we do that? Uh, I think I have to say I think a Bouse app would be a really good way of doing that. But a lot of people don't. But anyway, we've got a digital project to sort of look at that. Um, don't want the content to go to waste. I think we're both. That would be a real shame. But you've, you know, you your, know. your session, you know, we want people to watch that, you know, have a look at the new way of, you know, the new way of broadcasting and, you know, take a look at these pioneers in surgical broadcasting, have a look and see how they do something. <laughs> now that's, uh, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, but look, I, I think. Have a look. Why don't you have a look? You know, yeah. have a peek, you know, just. Have you seen this? <laughs> Bows has, has definitely raised its game. I would say to you, though, from a very low ebb, I think Bows was really not very good at digital engagement over the past few years in social media. A bit cruddy, but now I was very impressed this year. Yeah. Uh, the whole, not just the meeting, but everything's changed. The little short videos you and Asif make, you know, these little things that pop up in your timeline, a 30-second promo for this or for that, that, that that's very effective. Um, and I'll say to you that while uh, an app has some merit for members who will sign in, it's still the same content. You need a broader strategy to be pushing it out on your Twitter feeds and on Spotify and on YouTube because many others will just choose to that'll be their morning timeline won't be the Bows app um, like especially us internationals it'll yeah. be oh yeah there's something from Bows you know so yeah. but of course that's the whole point if you create the content you can have multiple ways of making it accessible to people and an well, app may be a good way for deeper content actually more CME etc um, but the same content that will be there you can be choosing to f- push it out if you've got a good team it'll be on the YouTube feed it'll be on Instagram it'll be here for so that everyone regardless of how they choose to start their morning whether it's looking at Instagram stories might pop up and look at that 45 second video or follow the link to the maybe the, yeah. maybe you should join that we're, to be honest we're spending some money in the organization on some digital consultancy uh, you know, maybe I should ask you to join the conversations. <laughs> uh, you know, Lisa Dodgson, who you know well, is our new non-neurological trustee. And uh, we appointed her as a non-neurological trustee, and she's leading that project. And we, we're spending some money on uh, uh, digital consultancy to see, you know, I, you know I'm, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not an expert in this area. You know more about it than I do. But, uh, yeah, just so we can make the most of it. Make, make good decisions. You know, we don't want to spend some money. I think you can also spend a lot of money on the wrong product or the wrong tool. For sure. Very much like buying lasers, I think. So <laughs> I mean, how many urology departments have lasers that no one's ever turned on? I'll never forget going to Vienna. and I mean, they had a room in Vienna with so many machines that were not being used for urological surgery. I mean, it was bigger than Guy's Hospital Theatres, the room housing all the machines that they weren't using in Vienna. <laughs> that had come and gone. It was extraordinary. 
Tim, um, last few moments, we'd just like to uh, pick your brains or have a little bit of reflection about your Bows presidency um, oh, yeah. in, in the pandemic time. You're the first virtual president. That's it. It looks like it's going to be almost all virtual. Um, and I think you've grabbed the challenges and made the most of the opportunities. But how's it going? Do you remember last year we played clips when you had that yeah. fantastic RSM? In fact, we'll put the link in the show notes today back to the original video. But he did a great RSM talk where he set out his vision um, for the future. And I listened to it again last night uh, along with this podcast. And I, I must I was so impressed. You're actually ticking a lot of those boxes, research rather than audit, women in urology, yeah. virtual conferences. But and we, any, any we reflections? Still, we still yeah. quote some of the things you say, Tim, on a, on a quite a regular basis, yeah, don't we? we? We did a podcast on um, Mannels a few yeah, weeks yes. ago and we brought in your quote from last year onto it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, over to yeah, you. I mean, I, it's been a, I mean it, you know, obviously it hasn't been the year that one might have intended or expected, but it's not, you know, it's been, I've enjoyed it. I mean, the bit, it's not, it's not been wholly enjoyable. There have been some fairly testy moments, of course, but that's the nature of leading any organization, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I've definitely enjoyed it. And I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed some of the surprises actually. I mean, I think probably one of the projects I've most enjoyed wasn't even in my original plan or the original plan, which was, which came from a presidential Q and A that I ran and, you know, an SAS doctor, a speciality doctor, a non-consultant neurologist in Nottingham took me on and said, what's Baus done for these doctors, many of whom are international medical graduates? And it was pretty embarrassing. We hadn't done very much. And uh, we've we've run a project in that area, and we've, we've made huge strides in that area. In a, and in a year which has been framed by discrimination and fairness, um, we've made huge strides in that area. So that's been a really enjoyable um project to run it's been a running sore actually has this area in british surgery british medicine for many years but uh, i think we've made some real strides in that so yeah i mean you have it's slightly curious thing isn't it you have some successes you have some expected successes some unexpected successes you have some things that just um you know don't really take off a bit like the parable of the sower isn't it you know some seed <laughs> falls on stony ground and some seed, you know, falls in good ground and lots comes of it. So a little bit like that. So I've enjoyed it and uh, plenty to do for next year too. Um, yeah. But uh, the, uh, you know, obviously I've missed the um, the opportunities to represent the organisation and to meet. Uh, you know, that's what most bounce presidents enjoy. It's what most USANS presidents enjoy. It's the, you know, it's the meeting up with people and clearly I've missed that. But uh, in a sense, I suppose I've had more time to devote to um, some of the projects. You know, I spent less time in aeroplanes, less time on air miles, less time shaking hands, and more time on projects. And that may be a good thing. It may mean I'd be more effective than I would have been. Um, so I've, I've, I've enjoyed it. But I mean, you know, there've been frustrations, uh, but there've been some good surprises. And uh, I'm really pleased about the research thing. Um, you know, getting getting a, a research program onto a much stronger footing and having something that looks like it could grow. Uh, I think I'm very, you know, I'm really pleased with that. And I'm pleased at the time, you know, the timeline on that. I think we've moved that really well. Had great help from Caroline Moore and Grant Stewart and the team in Aberdeen. That's been a, I think that could, you know, that could really take off. And the fellowship uh, yeah, that, yeah, that fellowship thing, um, another. Slight, yeah, the fellowship thing's been good. I mean, Anthony Kaparis, um, 
uh, who many uh, urologists in Australia will know, and Melissa Davis, mm. they've run that and had a slightly quiet start. But in fact, Anthony sent me an email today to say that the website's going live. We have a meeting of all the international fellows who are in the UK, which is going to be in Bristol at the beginning of October. So I think, I think some of the things that relied on networking and friendship and coming together have had to be slightly mothballed for a year. Um, had to be patient with those things, but that's fine. You know, some things that have been easier to move forward virtually have moved forward. Some things that needed a bit more time and a bit more patience, maybe they'll kick on this year. So uh, I still think there's uh, good things to do there. Um, uh, people are still interested in fellowships, aren't they? I mean, I this year has definitely emphasized for me, if every year just emphasized to me just how important it is getting high volume surgical practice at the end of your training where you can, the word I'm using is immersion, where you can immerse yourself in something for a year and you just concentrate exclusively on getting very, very good at something. Yeah, it's so important in a surgeon's training, I think. It just sounds like you know, the ideal I mean, fellowship, doesn't it? Immersion. You know, where you, immersion, where you just, you just, really, really, really immerse yourself in it. And I think that's what we, you know, want to see happen. Fantastic. Tim O'Brien, so immersion, lovely to have you on. Immersion, not exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these good. are not... Yeah. Yeah. Pearls from yeah. Tim O'Brien. Yeah, fantastic. Great to have you, Tim. Thank you so much for joining us again. We should have him on every month, the Pearls uh, of Wisdom. I, I think so. Yeah. But we definitely should check in with Tim next year, shouldn't we? Yeah, this time next year. And before, I think we'll go in before Bows meeting next year and give it a good plug. And here, Well, you'll be here. coming over, won't you? I hope so. <laughs> I'm going to be up there. That's the plan. Well, See, the president has the president has a, you know, a, a portfolio of personal guests he can invite. <laughs> So I can't not invite you. I mean, come on. Well, you know, actually, that is that, that is my plan, is to be up there for six months on sabbatical next year. I'm doing a nuclear medicine um, sabbatical, Tim, um, next year. I'd planned in, it for... Um, yeah, I'm going to split it in, th in two, three-month periods, but I'd lined up a sabbatical kind of coming off the back of all our PSMA big publications and now Theranostics. But, um, yeah, you know, because that's the heart of it is really Germany, you know, um, where much of the work's been done on PSMA imaging and Theranostics. So that's the plan. I'm going to be up there March, April, May, and September, October, November. That's uh, the plan. If I can escape the country, if, if the government will open the borders a bit, I'll just run out. There's the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> How incredibly exciting. That sounds amazing. Wonderful. Yeah, the place, the, Peter Mac is great for, you know, encouraging sabbaticals for surgical oncologists and we have been successful in research. So, you know, it's the right time, you know, 50, well into career, six months recharge and nuclear medicine and prostate cancer is a big area of interest for us. But I need to, you know, be nice to go and learn more about that and come back with those ideas that will mean, right, this is, this oh, is where we'll take the next time. Yeah, yeah. That's what a what a wonderful opportunity. That sounds brilliant. Yeah, uh, but I'll come and stay with you. That's right. I know you've got um, in yes, the West Wing. Yes, there's a there's a house. There's a room. Come and stay in our spare room. <laughs> Carol will do your laundry. I'll <laughs> <laughs> pass that up. Fantastic, Tim O'Brien. So lovely to have Bye. you again. And that's all we have time for on GU Cast today. That was fun, Renew. That was super fun. Super. We'll be back soon, and Bye, we're going to put um, put the links uh, in the bottom here for all that fantastic Bows content. And we'll talk to you all again very soon. Thank you, and goodbye.